Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Banks are reporting bumper profits again, but do their shareholders have much to shout about? Banks have also been cutting their mortgage rates, but will applicants for interest-only loans get a look-in? And even when you're on holiday, can your bank determine how good a time you have? All of this to come in this week's FT Money Show. I'm Matthew Vincent. I'll be giving you the lowdown on all of these money matters in downloadable form with my colleagues from FT Money, Steve Lodge. Hello. And Tanya Poli. Hello. And our special studio guest, Melanie Bean, Director at Mortgage Broker Private Finance. Hello. So let's start with the money news. This week, the big four UK banks have been reporting their first half results, and they have been better than expected. Lloyd's, the part nationalised bank, exceeded market expectations when it reported an underlying pre-tax profit of £1.6 billion for the first half. A year ago, it made £4 billion of pre-tax losses. Barclays reported a 44% increase in first-half profit on Thursday, also above analyst expectations, and pre-tax profit more than doubled at HSBC in the first six months of the year to $11 billion as bad debts fell to the lowest level since the start of the financial crisis. Royal Bank of Scotland is due to report on Friday. But with no dividends being paid by the state-supported banks and a sell-off of government shareholdings looming in the future... Are these two still attractive holdings for private investors? So, Steve, should shareholders be pleased at the way prices have reacted to these results? Well, Matthew, obviously, uh, big profits from the banks. Uh, Many of the uh, Lloyds, for example, going into profit. Barclays up 44%. Um, Generally speaking, that's good news for banks. Don't forget where we were a year, two years ago with with banks on on the point of nationalisation and everything going down downhill basically. So, in terms of in terms of the share price reaction, Lloyd's of course is up now near on 50% in the last few months. So, in general terms, that's an extraordinary return, of course. But again, you're, you're down at about 70p per share. For Halifax people, many of pe- many of who will now be Lloyd's Bank shareholders, you'll still be sitting on a very hefty 90% plus loss prior, compared with prior to the credit crisis. Of course, the other factor is uh, the dividends that won't be paid or can't be paid by two of these banks. We're, in many ways, we're, we're looking at uh, two banks in isolation, you know, compared with the other two. Mm, definitely don't think of 
bank stocks have been great dividend providers again. I think that's universally true, really. Um, even Barclays, which is starting to pay a dividend now, and there hasn't been much comment on it, is looking at a 2p dividend for the first half on a share price of, well, north of £3. So really, it's not back to being a dividend stock. Um, Lloyds and RBS are banned from paying dividends till 2012 under the EU state aid rules. HSBC, of course, continues to pay dividends, but but uh, that's probably the least held of all the, by, by private investors of, of the big banks. So if, uh, if neither of the two pairs of banks, if you like, are really income stocks, mm-hmm. um, what are the prospects for growth investors? Again, we can divide the four into two sets of two, because obviously RBS and Lloyd's, uh, there's government stakes to be sold. There is. I mean, generally speaking, the profit growth or profit improvement we've seen uh, come out this week is all about recovery. It's all about economy, economy recovering. Clearly hopes that we aren't going to head into double dip. Don't forget that fear on the horizon. Um, there's probably an element as well. Inevitably with banks, they're very geared enterprises. So just as they do particularly badly in the downside, they do particularly well coming out of that downside. Um, but as you rightly say, part of that downside was near nationalisation of RBS and a very, you know, near 50% uh, shareholding in Lloyd's. Now, the trouble is, of course, we, we all know the government or rather are problems with indebtedness in in the country with uh, the deficits, at some point the government will look to sell those stakes. And it's that fear of that overhang of that large number of shares coming into the market that many brokers are saying, well, that's what will hold back the share price. So with that in mind, buy or sell, let's go through the banks. What's your view on, let's start with Barclays? Well, I wouldn't buy anymore. Um, it's the favoured one um, by brokers out there. Generally speaking, they talk about, well, it didn't take state aid. So it's a classic bank coming back. It's got investment banking. It's a bit more international. But don't forget all this regulatory backdrop, which may, you know, <laughs> many regulators and many regulatory views are about separating investment casino banking from the boring old retail banking stuff. Now, Barclays would be very hit by that. Um, but we just don't know the outcome of that yet. Um, so I don't think many people are saying sell Barclays. Uh, some brokers, but brokers love to be optimistic, of course, as we know. Um, so they're tending to favour that one as a buy. And what about the two uh, state-supported institutions, Lloyd's and RBS? Well, I think we, we've seen sentiment change more towards Lloyd's as ever, of course, when share prices go up. Strangely enough, brokers become a little bit more positive on a particular share. But Lloyd's has done very well in the recent months, so up 50%. People are back to their high since the credit crisis low, the financial crisis low. Um, but buying, I mean, that's a different proposition, isn't it, Matthew? The, you know, you're not getting a dividend. Many people will have, the key point is most people's interest in Lloyd's will be the fact they still own the shares very often through Halifax. Um, they got diluted when they got taken over by Lloyd's anyway. Um, so they're still, as I say, sitting on 90% thereabouts, even more, even higher losses since before the credit crisis. So most people will be thinking, well, can I get some money back here? Now, I would say that's not a bad view. You know, one rational investors should be thinking about opportunity cost here. You know, if you're getting back 50% higher than you were a few months ago, then you're selling Lloyd's relatively expensively, no dividend coming anyway. Maybe there are better opportunities elsewhere. Is that what you're doing with the Lodge portfolio? 
Well, part of the Lodge portfolio has done exactly that, Matthew, although, you know, one wouldn't want people to follow the, uh, the, the Lodge tipster too much. Um, in my case, like many investors, I've got some very small holdings that used to be a lot bigger elsewhere. So in many cases, it, it, from, from my perspective, it's as much as anything just rationalizing a portfolio with a, with boringly a free dealing offer. And I see this as a relatively good time to get cash out of my portfolio, um, that can be better used elsewhere. Steve, thank you very much for that and for a full analysis of the prospects for UK bank shares. Look out for Steve's article in FT Money with this weekend's FT and online at ft.com forward slash money. Still to come on the show, how your bank card can affect the cost of your holiday. First, though, mortgages. This week, Coventry Building Society became the latest lender to change its policy on interest-only loans. From Friday, it will no longer offer these mortgages to first-time buyers on loans over £500,000. This follows a similar move by Lloyds Banking Group in May to restrict the option of interest-only repayments to loans below half a million pounds. Other banks, such as Santander and Northern Rock, will only accept a limited number of repayment vehicles for this type of financing. Why, then, is this happening when banks are saying that bad debts are falling? Tanya, you've been looking at this. It does seem a little strange, doesn't it? It does seem a bit odd. I mean, I've got Mel here. Why do we, Why are actually lenders um, seem to be reacting this way at the moment? Well, it all comes down to the Financial Services Authority and some comments they've made in their consultation paper on mortgage lending. And they basically are really concerned about the number of people taking out interest-only loans with no apparent means of, of ways of repaying. And they're particularly worried about first-time buyers who are doing it because um, they think it's cheaper than a repayment mortgage because the monthly payments are lower. But they aren't really thinking about how they're going to pay that money back. And I think the lenders are saying, well, we're, we're going to crack down on it now before the Financial Services Authority make us do so. So which lenders have actually tied to their policy um, on interest-only loans? Obviously we've seen Coventry Building Society come out this week saying that they're going to no longer offer interest-only loans to first-time buyers and mm. on loans over £500,000. But surely, you know, this over £500,000, that's not typically, that's probably the domain where actually wealthy earners probably can afford interest-only loans. Well, that's exactly right. Uh, this definition of first-time buyer is quite difficult because, you know, it covers a, a vast number of people. We did a, a, a mortgage for a barrister earning, um, you know, a first-time buyer earning £250,000 a year, he borrowed a million pounds on an interest-only basis. But you wouldn't worry about his ability to to repay that mortgage. So I think these sort of definitions aren't very helpful. And we're seeing a lot of lenders reducing maximum loan-to-values on interest-only. Um, Northern Rock um, changed um, you know, the, what they would use, um, accept as a repayment vehicle. So in some cases, they're no longer taking inheritance or um, the, selling the property as a way of repaying the capital. So it depends on the lender, but some of them are getting quite strict now. Because it seems, I think, is, was it Northern Rock recently in May? I think they also said they wouldn't even take into account bonuses. That seems to be a bit too sort of far into... You know, kind exactly. of now. And when we go back to some first-time buyers who may have a fairly low basic but are in receipt of uh, reliable and sizable bonuses, you know, why can't those be used to repay a mortgage? That doesn't seem to make much sense. It seems to me that uh, this is a problem that's affecting people at the top end as well as the bottom end. You mentioned the barrister mm-hmm. thing that you come, come across and also people in receipt of bonuses. Um, some people think that interest-only loans are, are used by people who have difficulty um, meeting their payments, you know, mm-hmm. buying lower value properties, but that doesn't seem to be the case. No, it really isn't the case. I mean, we um, 
mainly uh, to arrange mortgages for high net worth borrowers. I would say about 90% of those would go for an interest only loan. It's just a way of, of that's how they manage their money. You know, they don't intend to repay their mortgage over 25 years. They're going to pay it back in a much shorter time. So don't need a traditional repayment mortgage. Can we say that this is possibly the end of interest only or will borrowers still be able to actually access the product? Well, worryingly, it does look like it's going that way. So I think it's going to be much more difficult for people. And those on interest only trying to remortgage are also going to struggle. For people who, as you point out, are already on interest only, Mm -hmm. uh, are they better off trying to keep their mortgage going and if they need additional borrowing then take the extra bit of Mm -hmm. borrowing on a different basis? Yeah, it really depends on their own, um, yeah, the lender and their situation. So I would speak to a, a broker so you can you can work out how to structure it best. But that that could be an option. Otherwise, a lot of them might have to reduce their loan to value to stay on an interest only loan if they, they're staying with their existing lender, and they might not be able to afford to do that. And what about private banks? Uh, obviously, a lot of these interest only borrowers are the wealthier um, types as, as we've mentioned are there options there oh the private banks are, are very understanding and it actually in most cases they will you know, look at you um, holistically look at all your investments and and you know your financial situation so they will have a good idea about how you intend to repay that money and they'll be satisfied with that so actually yes private banks are a good option for people in that situation So um, which banks and private banks um, are actually still quite happy to lend on interest only? I would say the majority of private banks, because they look at the clients, um, the whole uh, financial situation, you know, they look at their investments and savings and and also look going forward, you know, projections where they intend to be, you know, what their income's likely to be, then they're more likely to take interest only as long as the client fits, you know, the overall picture that they're looking for. Thank you very much for that, Mel and uh, Tanya. And for more on who is and isn't willing to offer an interest-only mortgage, look out for Tanya's article in FT Money this weekend and online at ft.com forward slash money. And finally today, holiday spending. There's nothing worse than returning from your week in the sun to discover that you've been burnt by currency charges and fees simply for paying by credit or debit card. Lower cost and prepaid cards can help reduce these costs. But this week, holidaymakers got some bad news when it emerged that one of the most cost-effective cards for holiday spending was changing its terms. So, Steve, uh, what is this bad news for holidaymakers? Well, Matthew, a a sort of Best Buy travel money card of recent years has been one on offer from Nationwide, the big building society that likes to tell us it's not a nasty bank. Um, Its Flex account debit card has enabled users, in fact, more than than a million, in fact, do do exactly this, more than a million holidaymakers and travellers, to get currency out to foreign cash points with no charge at all and no currency charge within Europe. And, of course, if you're in credit, you're taking money out of an account, a current account in this case, so no interest on that money either, which is very different from the general position with other cards, which are horribly complicated, which involve a worsening of the exchange rates, charges each time you use them or withdraw money from cash points, and in the case perhaps not surprisingly, with most credit, virtually all credit cards, if you take currency out of a cash point, you're going to be charged a currency withdrawal interest rate. So this is a, a bit of a blow, especially given that Nationwide did make a virtue of this uh, low-cost uh, service. I'm sure they used to advertise it. They did. They did. Exactly that, Matthew. It was part of these sort of um, jocular ads on TV about not being a bank and uh, computer says no and so on. Um, I mean, to spell out the change, one, it doesn't happen until November. Right. 
Um, secondly, the card will – what they're actually implementing, we should make clear, is a 2% currency conversion charge. It's so still lower than, if you like, the worst in the market and a £1 charge for each withdrawal from a cash point. So still a charge you'd rather not bear – frankly a lot lower than the many cards out there but what it does mean is it's no longer the best buy card out there all right so from november which will be the card we should take on our sort of winter sun holidays well even now you could say in one case the there's a best buy card and it's it's from believe it or not the metro bank that launched last week the new bank so you will have to trek into hoban in central london to get one of these cards but one of the frankly few product virtues uh, the bank is offering is no foreign exchange loading no cash point charges when you're taking currency out abroad um, using its debit card linked to its current account so metro bank will have one best buy because in last week's uh, edition of the podcast we were pointing out that it wasn't terribly competitive in many areas yes and it's part of its transparency pitch you know that this is in some way equates to it offering a better service i mean to be quite honest most people find the whole concept of currency and cards and so on really quite opaque and complex um Let's take it and make it a little bit more complicated while we're talking about this. There is the perhaps appropriately named Halifax Clarity credit card out there now. That sounds good. Yes, it does, doesn't it? Clarity sounds good here. And I suppose it's good in the sense it does mean far fewer charges. Um, it means no currency conversion charge. It means no cash point charge. But, of course, it's a credit card. So you're taking money out of a cash point. They're giving you money on credit. They're charging you interest for that. But if you pay your bill off at the end of the month, you'll effectively pay 1% for that currency over interbank rates, which is as cheap as you're getting now from, say, nationwide in the U.S., not quite as cheap in Europe, but it will be cheaper than nationwide come November. So there are some low-cost solutions still out there. Thanks very much for that, Steve. And for a listing of the best cards to take on holiday, look out for Steve's article in this Saturday's FT Money section. But that's all for this week's FT Money Show. Remember, you will find weekday news updates and all of these stories on our website, ft.com forward slash money. And if you have a question you'd like us to answer about any aspect of your finances, just email us. We will answer all of your questions or find financial experts who can on the reader's questions page of the FT Money section. This service is free of charge and anonymous. So just send your questions to money at ft.com. Next week, we'll bring you another financial lowdown in downloadable form. But until then, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from Tanya, Steve and our special guest, Melanie Bean from Private Finance. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.